Well, about 10 years ago, um, there was an Australian TV show that was produced and released here. Uh, and this show is all about saving people, saving people from uh, drowning at Bondi Beach. Uh, if you've never heard of the TV show Bondi Rescue, then I would highly recommend it. It's actually pretty good. Uh, it will give you an appreciation for the lifeguards, the power of the ocean, and, and life itself. Well, there's this one Korean um, guy that's an uh, exchange student that gets caught in a rip in one of the episodes. And a rip is a current, uh, a rip current is a powerful narrow channel of fast moving water. It's actually what our surfers use to get out to the, to the waves faster. Uh, but the scary thing about a rip is that you, when you're in a rip, you actually don't know you're in a rip until you're about 100 to 200 meters from shore. And it's dangerous because if you're inexperienced, then um, the first thing that you do is you actually panic. And they say you shouldn't swim uh, directly against the rip because you just burn energy. Uh, what you need to do is swim diagonally to it. So this Korean student, he gets stuck in a rip at Bondi Beach and the lifeguards go and grab him. But because he's been underwater for a good couple of minutes, uh, he's lifeless and he's not responding. So they bring him to shore, they start CPR, uh, there's a crowd surrounding him. His friend is in absolute shock. And at this point, they can't find his pulse. He's going pale and he's just not responding. He's clinically dead, meaning that they can't find a pulse. So they get the defib out and they start it. And after two rounds of shocks, they finally get his heart going. You know, the quick actions of the, of the lifeguards and the shock of the defib, it actually saves his life. You know, this student drowned in the sea and was clinically dead. You know, similarly, Jonah in the Bible was thrown into the sea, and he was fighting for his life. You know, like this student, he found himself helpless against the currents and against the waves of the sea. And it took an extraordinary intervention from God to get Jonah's attention. And so today, we're going to, we're going to see our Jonah's response to God. From drowning in the sea to being rescued by a big fish, we're going to see how Jonah uh, runs to God. So let's read Jonah chapter 2. Uh, but we're going to start at chapter 1, uh, verse 17. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn there with me. Ch uh, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred, uh, barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Amen. 
Well, we're right in the middle of our Jonah series. Uh, last week in Jonah 1, we saw uh, how God told Jonah to go and preach to, to the Ninevites. Uh, Jonah, even though he's a prophet of God, he actually doesn't do what God tells him to do. And he runs in the opposite direction to Tarshish. So he boards a ship, sails to Tarshish. But on that journey, God sends a storm. He sends a storm to capture Jonah's attention. And we're introduced to these sailors who, who do all they can to try and save Jonah. And so Jonah, in the middle of the storm, he offers to be thrown into the sea as some sort of offering. And so we see Jonah being thrown overboard and the storm ceasing. We saw that Jonah ran away from God and his life began to spiral downwards. And so this week we're going to see Jonah running to God. And so there are three characteristics about God that we learn in this chapter. Number one. God is a provider. Number two, God is sovereign. And number three, only God can save. The first thing that we learn about God in this chapter is that God is a provider. Verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now you'll see in your Bibles that uh, this verse is actually listed as uh, chapter 117. But when we look at the Hebrew text in this verse, um, it's actually listed as the first verse in chapter 2. Now, will this fact change your life? Probably not. Um, what we do need to see, though, is that um, chapter 117 is the beginning of a new section okay, in this journey, which is all about Jonah's deliverance. But if we didn't have the foreknowledge of chapter 2, we would conclude, we would resolve that uh, that when the sailors threw Jonah overboard, he drowned. Why? Because the storm and the seas grew calm after they threw him in. But verse 17 provides us this. It says, now the Lord provided. Remember what we saw last week, that when we see the word Lord all in capital letters, uh, it's the translator's way of telling us that behind the word Lord is the Hebrew word Yahweh. It's the personal name of God in the Old Testament. What does this show us? What does this mean? It shows us that God was working. Yahweh was working. You know, we're expecting that Jonah is drowning in the sea. But in fact, it's the Lord who is preserving Jonah for life. God provides a big fish to protect Jonah. And I love this quote about uh, verse 17. It says, The contrast here is in what we presume and what the Lord was actually doing. God has a way of doing that. He has a tendency to pursue us when we have quit on Him. I wonder how many of us are in Jonah's shoes right now, where we have quit on God, where we have blatantly told God face to face, I don't want you anymore. I'm done with Christianity. I'm done with trusting you. You know, it may have been because of some pain in the past or a loss of a loved one, a relationship. Oh, it may be because you felt abandoned by God. Whatever the reason, you know, the pain is real. But the truth is that God, straight from the beginning of creation, He never stops pursuing us. Even when we quit on Him, and even when we're deep into our addictions and our pains, He continues to pursue us. And He pursues us by providing opportunities to turn around and run back to Him. You know, we've seen it straight from the beginning of of chapter 1, where God sends a storm to capture Jonah's attention. He then uses the sailors to do the same thing. And now we see God pursuing Jonah 
through a big fish. It says that the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. In the ESV translation in your Bibles, it says, the Lord appointed a great fish. It is God Almighty who purposefully designed and provided an enormous fish to carry out His plans and His will. God is a God who provides. Yes, He provides us materialistic things and food to survive. But more importantly, He provides us second chances. No matter how much we've messed up in our lives, He provides us with grace. And we see this through uh, the big fish swallowing Jonah. Number two, God is sovereign. Verse two, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Verse three, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah in verse 2 and 3, he acknowledges that God doesn't let him die. He says that he called for help and God listened to him. And this starts Jonah's prayer to God. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. A psalm meaning a song or a poem. And it shows us that God listens to us when we pray. Just think about that. The God who created the heavens and the earth. The God who speaks things into being. The God who names the stars one by one. The God who knows how many hairs are on your head. The God who knit you together in your mother's womb. The God who is giving you your very next breath. This God that we serve, he listens to us when we pray. He gives us a way to communicate with him, to fellowship with him to cast our anxieties and worries to him. Like Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul is saying to present our worries and our anxieties to God in prayer because at the end of the day, God is the one who is in charge. God is the one who is sovereign. In last week, I was lucky enough to, uh, to go to a pastors and leaders retreat at the tops. It's, it's the one time of year where our, our denomination, Fresh Hope, gathers around, and we just get to hang out, share stories. And as I met and chatted with all these pastors from around NSW, you know, I realized this one thing, that every single one of them are coming from a place of pain and, and suffering. And what I mean by that is, Every single one of them had, have had moments of pain and suffering. Moments where they could have turned their back to God. You know, they have each come to the realization that God is sovereign and that He is in control. You know, we may not understand what's going on, but, but we have to know that God's ways, His plans, His purposes are higher than ours. And so Jonah, he cries out to God in prayer. And he realizes something. Listen to what he says in verse 3. You hurled me into the depths. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Jonah is aware that God doesn't let him die. He's aware of God's mercy and God's sovereignty. Who threw Jonah into the sea? Who commanded the fish to swallow and vomit Jonah out? 
Who created the storm? It was God. God was sovereign over Jonah's situation. God rules the universe. The waves and breakers that swept over Jonah, God owns them. There's nothing in this world that, that God is not running. Every part of creation, every object, every creature, people, and even Satan is under God's sovereignty and God's rule. All things are under his absolute rule. I love what one pastor says. There is nothing in this world that is out of control. And as out of control it may feel or you may feel, God is running the whole thing. This is why it's so important to ask God that in the middle of your situation, to give you eyes to see. In the middle of your distress, when you feel like everything's going uh, spiraling downwards, you need to ask God to give you eyes to see what's going on. You need, to, you need to ask God to give you eyes to see that he's actually in control. John Frame uh, says it like this. The sovereignty of God is the fact that he is the Lord over creation. As sovereign, he exercises his rule. This rule is exercised through God's authority as king, his control over all things, and his presence with his covenantal people and throughout his creation. What this quote is saying is that God's control and authority means that everything happens according to his plan and intention. When God commands something, his creatures must do it. And we've seen it through the big fish. And so Jonah is aware of God's sovereignty. And he, and he finds comfort in that. In verse 4, he says, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. What is the holy temple that he's longing for here? What does, it, what does the, the temple represent? It represents the presence of God. He longs to be in the presence of God Almighty again. You know, he has tasted what it is to be away from God, and he found that, and he found that it was darker, more dangerous, to be outside the presence of God. And that's why he's saying, I will look again towards your holy temple. Number three, only God can save. Verse six. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me, beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. And in verse 9, Jonah says, salvation comes from the Lord. As Jonah reflects in the belly of the fish, um, he comes to this realization that it was God who saved him. Jonah says, but you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. God saved Jonah. It wasn't an accident that the fish vomited Jonah out. And we have to remember that, that if Jonah received his punishment for the sins he committed, if Jonah received everything that, that he deserved for disobeying God, then he wouldn't, this wouldn't be a story that would be, we would hear today. God didn't have to save Jonah. God didn't have any obligation to save him. He owed Jonah nothing. See what God does. He gives Jonah his life back. God reaches down and he saves Jonah. You know, if you're in this place and you think you've gone too far for God to save you, then please realize that it's, it's, it's not too late to return to God. 
It isn't a matter of whether you've done good. It isn't a matter of whether you've done bad. But it's a matter of who God is and how good God is. And the truth is that it wasn't too late for Jonah to return. And it isn't too late for any of us to return to God. Jonah deserted God. You know, you may have deserted God time and time again through your addictions, your anger, whatever it is. But the fact that Jonah didn't drown, it actually proves that God didn't desert him. This is such a beautiful picture of what God did for us. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The picture we see of God taking the first step to save Jonah is the same picture we see of God taking the first step toward us to save us. God's grace comes first. It doesn't come after we do good or after we follow seven steps to salvation. God promises salvation to those who trust in him. It is only the Lord who can save and make us right with him. And God can save you from any situation, whether you've messed up like Jonah and your life has hit rock bottom, or whether you're right in the middle of your battle with depression, anxiety, or whatever. God can save. Jonah experienced the saving grace of God. He was the last person to deserve God's grace. But God extended his grace to him. As we live life, we'll all face moments of darkness. But what we have to remember is that God uses those moments to drive us to the light. In those times of darkness, it forces us to remember the truth of God's word. And the truth of God's word is that he doesn't change. He doesn't fade. And because God is faithful, even when we are faithless, we can trust him. We can trust that he'll deliver on what he promised. And so I want to leave you with this challenge for this week. And the challenge is this. Hide and apply the word of God. What's interesting is that Jonah actually uses many phrases and figures of speech in uh, from, the, from the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. If we look at chapter 2 of Jonah, and we, and we uh, section it apart, dissect it, I will actually see that Jonah 2 is not original wording from Jonah. What do I mean? Jonah hid so much scripture in his heart that it flowed out of him in, the, in his greatest time of crisis. Every word in Jonah 2, some summarized, some paraphrased, and some copied exactly was taken from the Psalms, from the book of Psalms. It shows us that Jonah knew Scripture by heart. Listen to these Psalms. See if it sounds familiar. Psalm 18.6. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ease. Psalm 42.7. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Psalm 31, 22. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called you for help. Do these sound familiar? Because it definitely sounds like Jonah chapter 2 to me. And so I want to challenge you this week. 
Hide the Word of God in your life, in your heart. Hide it by memorizing Scripture. Start small. Start with uh, Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And aim to memorize like one verse a month. I know that um, one of the core elements of uh, being a part of the missions team is actually memorizing Scripture. And I think there's a whole bunch of passages that they they need to memorize before they go. Uh, Why? Because our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the, the evil spiritual forces. And the very Word of God is what we use to anchor our hearts to truth. Because as you go out of this place and into your lives, the battle for your heart and soul is real. And by us hiding the words of God deep in our hearts, it reminds us that God is a provider, that God is sovereign, and God is the only one that can save us. But we can't just memorize Scripture. We need to actually apply it too. If we just memorize Scripture and live our lives, then then we become puffed up in our knowledge. We need to put into practice what we're reading and what we're memorizing. James 1.22 reminds us that reminds us to, to not merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves, but do what it says. James is reminding us to, to just know the word of God and not do anything about it is actually not knowing the word of God at all. So how do we apply it? For example, maybe like Jonah, you just want to be more thankful this week. You want to develop a, a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanks then Psalm 106 is a great place to start. Memorize it. Quote it. Remind your soul when you wake up. This is is Psalm 106, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. When you finish your day, remind your soul again. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Whatever it is, we need to start moving from just knowing about God to actually doing God's Word. I mentioned last week that, that Jonah is just one part of a bigger story of the Bible. And as you read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and, and as you really delve deep into it, you're going to find this one common thread through all 66 books of the Bible. And this thread is undeniable. Everything that we read about in, in the law and the prophets, the wisdom literature, Everything points us to Jesus. When we read the book of Jonah, it's supposed to turn our eyes to Jesus. It's meant to help us realize that that actually we are like Jonah. That we were running away from God. We were in sin and needing a Savior to save us. And what Jonah chapter 2 shows us is God's undeniable mercy and grace. This story of Jonah is meant to point us to Jesus. Matthew, in Matthew 12, uh, we see Jesus talk about Jonah. The sign of Jonah is the expression used by Jesus to refer to Jonah's and, and Jesus' own three days and three nights in the belly of the fish and in the tomb. What Jesus is trying to show us is that the, the place of death inside a fish, inside a tomb, it became a place of deliverance and life. When Jesus pointed to the sign of Jonah as a sign for his own work, he was showing us that God is at work to save those who rebelled against him. Think about it. This is how one pastor puts it. 
Jonah carried out his ministry imperfectly, but still God used it. Jesus carries out his ministry perfectly and redeems sinners. Jonah was the running prophet, but Jesus was the redeeming prophet. Jonah slept in the boat because he was running from God. Jesus slept in the boat because he was trusting in God. Jonah ran from sinners. Jesus died on a cross for sinners. Jonah wanted to die to keep God's mercy from the unworthy. Jesus died to extend mercy to the worthy, to the unworthy. Jonah came out alive after three days in the belly of the fish. Jesus rose from the dead after three days in a sealed tomb. Jesus comes to fulfill everything that Jonah couldn't do. When Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah, he's not just connecting the time frames of three days and three nights, but he's connecting for us the miracle of salvation, that the cross and the grave was meant to be a place of death, but it actually became a place of deliverance. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This passage shows us that God rescues us by sending Jesus to take the punishment of sin. And just like he saved Jonah from the belly of the fish, it is completely an act of God's grace that we are saved. We are saved through faith, not by works. If someone tells you that you need to follow seven steps to be saved, then that goes against everything that the Bible says. God saves us through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Deliverance comes through Jesus. Remember that it is only by grace that we are saved. And just like Jonah said, salvation is from the Lord. Let's close our eyes in prayer.